0: Hello and welcome to Beyond the Page, a Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds, and today I'm talking with Crispin Mayfield, the author of Attached to God, a Practical Guide to, deeper, to a Deeper Spiritual Experience. Crispin, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Yeah, and I want to start, and for those people who are like, I don't know what that means, uh, I don't know what that title means, and I don't know that I want to spend the next 45 minutes of my life figuring it out. Can you give us your nutshell, like, you know, three to five minute summary? What is this book about? Who is it for?
1: Yeah, basically, Attachment Science is the study of relationships. So it's looking at um, what are the ways that we are try to get relationship with God or try to connect with God or do relationship with God. And what are the ways that when there's insecurity in that relationship, what are the like typical ways we can expect that we will deal with that insecurity through these different attachment styles. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, yeah, you know, if you're not feeling totally secure with God, you, you know, might feel really anxious about it, or you might shut down your emotions, or you might, uh, beat yourself up and, uh, basically be like, you know, there's something wrong with me. And if I can, you know, just continue to criticize and beat myself up, then maybe I'll get a better connection with God. Um, so that's my best shot at summarizing it.
0: I, I think I hit it. and you, your experience with attachment science uh, is as a, as a therapist. Uh, mm-hmm. So you use this, not necessarily with clients talk about their relationship with god talk about marriage relationships i assume you know it's all sorts of relationships Mm -hmm. at what point were you like oh hey this thing that i'm doing here also applies very much to the relationship between you know god and man god yeah uh, you know right yeah
1: right well like what was really um so attachment science really start started out as almost like uh I mean, a very scientific way um, looking at what are proximity seeking behaviors, which is basically like, what are the ways that um, that primates try to get connection with their loved ones? And so, um, you know, they, they actually looked at monkeys first, um, but then also looking at infants and looked at, you know, what are the ways that babies who need their mothers try to get close to their mothers to get protection and get nurturance, you know, that sort of thing. And then we basically looked in, you know, as a field and, and realized, oh, this plays out in marriages, um, you know, with adults. And so then recognizing um, there are these just patterns of behavior of like, how do I get, how do I get close to you? You know? And, um, and for some people, it's like really clingy for some people. It's like, Um, you know, I'm going to kind of be standoffish, but that's kind of how I know how to do relationship. And I started sitting in church services and looking around and kind of being like, oh, I can see these like same sort of behavior patterns playing out, um, with people. And, you know, if you were sort of like a scientist, uh, just sitting in the back of like a church or looking at a faith community and taking notes on like, what are the ways that people try to get close to god you know what observations would you make
0: Mm -hmm. so before we get too far in depth and i really don't really want to talk about the different ways in which people attach to god or or which they relate to god Uh, at what point were you like because you're making all this connection and presumably at some point you're like i i need to write this down uh Uh at what point did this become you know like oh this this could be a book like this, this, this needs to be something that I'm really writing about and not just like thinking, you know, in my head, but this mm-hmm. that has value for everyone.
1: Right. So really what it was for me was kind of going off of that idea of like, we have these different patterns and different behaviors. What we find is that this is just like the normal, natural thing that happens when you feel insecure in a relationship. So when you feel insecure, it's just like a very normal human thing to get really clingy. Um, For example, you know, that's one strategy. Um, And, uh, you know, it might be, you know, I'm feeling insecure and I'm going to like beat myself up and kind of like reject myself before anyone else gets a chance to. But we see that even in, in infants, we see the same pattern play out. And so, what I realized is like, okay, if this, if people are engaging in these behaviors, there is this insecurity there, then that gives me a language and lens. And also for myself, like my own story, to be like, oh, like there's some insecurity in this relationship with God. And I can see it in the way that I respond and other people respond. And we don't have a lot of words or language for that. How do we, in the church, talk about what it means to feel insecure with God, right? To um, We have all these, like, things we supposedly believe and maybe do believe, but that's different than how we actually feel in relationship with God. And so that, for me, was, like, the most important thing was to to say, like, you know, it's okay if what you feel about God is different than uh, what you say you believe. And so um, that was kind of the start of it for me. And that's where attachment science um, really was so validating for me to, to say, yeah, like, if it feels like it's up to you to keep connection with the people that you love, like, you can't trust that they're going to stick around. Of course you're going to feel anxious. And I find that to be so helpful for some of us that grew up in the evangelical church to say, "Hey, if you feel anxious if it feels like you're carrying this burden all the time of like I have to keep my faith, I have to keep my relationship with God and you feel anxious about it, like that totally makes sense." And actually there's this whole field of attachment science that says, "Yep, that's what humans, that's even what primates do <laughs> when they feel like uh, it's up to them solely to keep that connection. Mm-hmm.
0: So you you mentioned the evangelical church, and I, I wanted I wanted to bring this up later in the podcast, but you are, you, since you put it out there, uh, we'll uh-huh. kind of start with this. Um, you sort of pick on the evangelical church, and I say that in a good way uh, because uh-huh. I think that that's your background. That's my understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's what you know. It's my background as well. Uh, so when I say pick on, I I do mean it's from the sense of like. You're writing from this has been your experience. This is your faith tradition. Uh, so you, you, you can you you've earned the right to critique it. Uh, it. It's not just an academic thing for you. It's very personal. Um, mm-hmm. but as such, um, I think specifically the way in because of the lens that you're writing from, because of the background that you're writing from. This very much is a critique, sometimes, of how the evangelical church either portrays God or portrays not an insecure relationship with God, but a secure, you know, the way relationship should be. So the evangelical yeah. church, and that not, and I and I say that broadly, that mm-hmm. there can be um, strains of faith where where an anxious, or clingy relationship uh, is. P- people like look at that, and they're like, "Well, that that closeness, that you know, that that you know, clinging to God, that's what you should have." So it's not uh-huh. even perceived as being an insecure type of thing. So the, the struggle I think that your book might have in and I think you do well in explaining it is that people might be coming to this and not even perceiving that the way that they relate to God is actually an insecure relationship. They may be looking at the positives for it. So why, why do you think that we might look at these insecure attachments? And say, no, that's the way that relationship is supposed to be.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things um, is for me is that Jesus and Paul promise rest and peace. And if we look at Israel, who's brought out of Egypt and God is instituting this new nation one of the most peculiar things about this new nation is rest, is the Sabbath, right? And so, um, so yeah, you know, we've been told, uh, you know, one one of the quotes that I made, that I uh, have in the book is Charles Spurgeon saying the Christian life is like you know walking up a hill of ice, and like you have to like just like you know try so hard with every step. And if you stop for a moment, you're going to slide backwards. Right. And, um, and we get that message and, and it makes sense on some level. Cause it's like, yeah, we want to be devoted. We want to um, follow God wholeheartedly. But if we find that that kind of faith, there's no rest in it, then, you know, we've obviously missed something somewhere. And so that's, that's a big thing for me is looking at, you know, if we are promised these things, um, and then we're getting to this place in our faith where it's like, but I'm, I'm, I never actually get to rest. Right. Um, or I feel like God is constantly disappointed in me. And that's, that's not really the sort of, uh, relationship that I see Jesus describing, you know, um, then something has happened along the way. And that's where I want to go back and look at like, all right, where did, where, what did we miss? And I think that it's true. I, I, I pick on evangelicalism. I quote specific authors um, and say like, you know, so-and-so said this. Um, and part of that is because, um, because of the mixed messages we get in the church. Um, and so we get messages like God loves you no matter what you don't, it's all about grace. You don't have to do anything right but then we also get these messages like Charles Spurgeon saying you know you you got it's like climbing up a hill of ice and it was really important to me to point to these specific teachings from popular pastors and teachers so that um people can say oh yeah like that makes sense I'm not making up this feeling I'm not I'm not making it up that I felt this pressure like it's all on me Mm -hmm. um or I'm not making it up that uh, you know, I feel like I've just stuffed down my feelings in order to be a good Christian. You know, there, there, these things have been said. Um, they're usually not the main thing. They're sort of like the side thing that's said. <laughs>
0: yeah. So let's go through those. There's three different insecure attachments. It's uh, anxious, shut down, and shame filled. And um, let us you know, the, the, probably the best way for someone. To really get the full rundown, obviously, is to buy the book. So, you know, go out, buy the book. Uh, so you know, you, you don't have to give away all the secrets, but what just d- describe to me what an anxious spirituality looks like.
1: Yeah. So I find it's most helpful to start with what does it look like in human relationships? Mm-hmm. And uh, this might be that clingy person um who's like, you know, I texted you two minutes ago and you haven't texted back what's wrong. And uh You know, you might know that person. You might be that person sometimes. Um, But what's hard to see is from the outside, it just looks like here's this really needy, clingy person. From the inside, it feels like the relationship is on my shoulders. It's my responsibility to make sure it's okay. And I have to work really hard to keep it. I can't trust that other people are going to stick around for me. And so then when we look at this with God, it, you know, it shows up where it's like, I gotta do my quiet time or I have to do the right thing, or I have to, you know, figure out what God's will is for my life and walk in that, or I have to avoid sinning or, um, whatever it is. And, and, um, you know, and you could broaden that. Like I said, I am evangelical, but it could be, you know, going to mass or it could be, um, whatever it looks like in different traditions. There's actually a lot of research about attachment um, and in Muslim communities as well. Um, and obviously it looks different in all these ways, but um, spiritual practices are important. But if we're doing those spiritual practices, because if I don't, then God's going to leave, You know that it feels like if I don't behave the right way, then my relationship is in jeopardy then we're coming at it from this really anxious place of like, I got a white necklet and I got to make sure to do all the things or else I'm going to lose this relationship.
0: Yeah, there's a difference between closeness and clinginess.
1: Right, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it's really, you know, we can look at someone like that and say, oh my gosh, what's wrong with them? But when it comes to attachment, that's just, we just figure out these strategies early on. And based on the information we have, and so if you're told if the if the uh, if the choice is between clinginess or like not having the connection you really long for, right? I'm going to choose clinginess. Like maybe that's the best strategy that's worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it won't work long term, but it you know it has worked in the past, so I'm going to keep doing that.
0: Yeah, I think, and then you end up just sort of grasping. I think at whatever spiritual practice you might find easiest or find the mm-hmm. most value in yourself. Right. Uh you you made a point in the book with I mean, this thing that stood out to me, one of the things that stood out to me the most, I uh, was you you use the example of AW Tozer. And uh-huh. Tozer is really he, he's so well known for his closeness to God. Uh uh-huh. but when you're evaluating his relationship with God and the way that it comes through in his life and in his writing, uh, it through a clinical lens, it looks pretty insecure.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, definitely. Because he spent he spent so much of his life, um, really trying to get closeness with God. He had prayer pants, um, <laughs> where that he would wear because he was spent so much of the day praying. Um, he you know would give away his uh his salary. Um, gave just gave away tons of money. Was really committed to like um, you know something really close to a life of poverty because he was afraid that money would uh, would disconnect him from God that he would you know stray from God because of money Um, and you can look at that and you can say oh yeah that looks like someone who's really devoted who's really focused on God Um, but if you talk to his family members. They would be like, oh, yeah, he he didn't pay much attention to us. Um, you know, he refused to buy a car uh, because he didn't want to be swept away in, in worldly things and wanted to stay close to God. Um, but that meant that his wife uh, had to, like, walk through cold Chicago streets to go grocery shopping. You know, um, his kids uh, basically in interviews later on said things like, um, you know, we didn't have many fun times with that. And we went on like one vacation and, uh, he was grumpy the whole time. (laughs) And so, you know, I look at that and, and, and it seems to me to say like, here's this person that, yeah, it's good that he focused on God, but it actually prevented him from doing the other things in his life that, that I think God created him to engage in. Mm -hmm. And, um, when we think about this anxious attachment style, when what we see with infants is like, um, this is the kid that's like, I'm not going to go explore the room. I'm just going to sit right next to mom because what if she leaves? I can't trust that she's going to be here if I go somewhere else. So I need to, I need to stay here. I need to, you know, make sure that I'm clinging to her. And those are kids that actually have a harder time learning because they can't focus on uh, playing with the xylophone and the, the different notes that it makes, right? Because they're just focused on like, all right, where's mom at? Where's mom at? You know, and I think that's kind of a good analogy for Tozer, right? He's was clinging to God, but in this way that he wasn't able to like engage in the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. And it actually ended up hurting the people around him. His, I guess the one last thing I'll say is that um, his wife, uh, after he died, his wife remarried rather quickly. Um, and someone said, you know, basically how's, how's life with your new husband? Um, and she said, yeah, Tozer loved Jesus, but my new husband loves me. And so that just like, uh, that's a paraphrase, but, um, but basically she was like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, you know, it, he was so preoccupied with, this relationship with god that he wasn't actually able to love me in the way that i wanted to be loved
0: yeah and i think that this gets built up uh as being like oh it's so holy it's set apart mm-hmm. but you know what it what it misses out on is they god expresses themself in other people like that's the the whole thing is that you know that he, there's, there's creation. It's like, this is the creation of God that you were made to enjoy. Here are people who are made in the image of God. So, it's, it, you know, you're missing, you're honestly, you're missing a whole aspects of who God is in his creative work by only focusing on that singular, honestly, kind of insular aspect of my personal relationship with God. Uh, you, you miss out on, the beautiful diversity of all who god is Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and and i think that um i think about jesus teachings on sabbath Mm
0: -hmm.
1: being a great picture of this where if we look at the religious leaders of jesus day there are a lot of dynamics there but if you want to take an empathic approach to the religious leaders they were trying to do the right thing because they wanted to be close to god right like if we can You know, uphold these rules, then we can get close to God. And what ended up happening was the people that were more marginalized in the community were harmed, right? Like the religious leaders get angry that Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath. Like, imagine being that person where it's like, you see God heal someone, and your response is like, you did it wrong. But, you know, but I think that actually speaks to like, how that anxious spirituality can show up. Sometimes it's like, no, this like you have to try really hard to, you know, do the right thing to stay close to God. And um, and you know, Jesus basically says, like, that's not what Sabbath is not about you getting close to God. Sabbath is about God caring for you and showing up um, you know, for the whole community.
0: So for the people who may be listening and they're like, I identify with this, like, this is me. Uh, What, where do they, where do they go from here? How do you begin to heal from that sort of attachment?
1: Yeah. um, Really throughout the book, I try to um, point people to things that really engage the nonverbal, you know, attachment part of your brain. Because just learning more knowledge or theology doesn't always change that. Um, but yeah, finding practices um where you can rest with God's love. Henry Nowen, um, I feel like most of his books um are really beautiful pictures of that. Um, but uh yeah, you know, finding uh I I I know for me, like times of prayer or contemplation or quiet time, you know, have also had that anxiety in the past where it's like, I need to hear something from God. I need to like, you know, understand the Bible better or something like that. And so for me, a big shift was to say, I'm going to have a time of contemplation um, and I'm just going to be quiet and it. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to accomplish anything, quote unquote, spiritual during this time. I'm just going to sit here and be reminded that God loves me just as I am. And, you know, it's not about like getting marching orders for like, what's the next thing I'm supposed to do?
0: Yeah, I'm just sitting here like reflecting and I'm thinking that man over these past couple of years, uh, the church has really had to reckon with its clingy relationship. know Is that relationship clingy and not even necessarily the relationship with God, but their relationship to church. In Mm -hmm. what that looks like, because you know, all of a sudden COVID, you know, sweeps the nation in 2020 and everything shuts down. And uh, you know, a lot of church leaders, myself included, I'm we're having virtual meetings about like what does this mean? Where do we go? And a lot Mm -hmm. of people are like, well, we have to go to the church building. You know, we have to. Uh The sense of like this, this, this anxiousness of like, if I miss a week or if I do it differently then is the relationship going to be the same? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we've gotten anywhere in the, in the <laughs> two years since. Uh, for me personally, I, I no longer work at that church and I've moved to a different country. So, you know, I <laughs> I don't know how it's worked out for, it, for everybody else. That's how it's worked out uh, for me. Uh, but there was a sense of like, oh, you know, for the first time in my life, I'm not going to a church building on Sunday. And so I'm trying to determine of like, how does that work with my relationship with God? How does that work with my relationship with others? How does that work with my relationship with the structure of the local church? And that's a, that's a lot of things. And I think the way in which a lot of churches reacted really shows that anxiety and shows the need for like, you know, it's okay. Like God's, he's not going the, they're not going anywhere. It's fine.
1: Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Cause there's this, uh, you know, often this feeling of like, well, if people aren't showing up to church, they're going to be far away from God or, um, you know, which then implicitly is this idea of like, we, we sort of hold God and you need to come, come get something from us, uh, which is really different than, um, God is with you and we are forming a community together um that is um you know looking to in whatever ways reflect the kingdom of god and in different values which is different than like you have to come here to get god
0: right yeah it's very much a different community versus consumer mentality Mm -hmm. uh the next the next attachment that you talk about it, is shut down attachment. So can you describe mm-hmm. that for me?
1: Yeah, so this is um it, it kind of seems like a paradox because uh this is a strategy of getting that connection and basically it's saying, you know, I don't have emotions, I don't have needs, I'm fine on my own. And so it kind of makes you wonder like, well, how is that an attachment strategy? Mm-hmm. But if you grew up in a family where neediness or emotions uh, pushes you away, right? So you have like a dad that's like, you know, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Um, that sort of thing, what you learn is if I'm gonna be close to dad, I, I you know, they're like three feet. I can't get too close, <laughs> right? But I'm gonna get as close as I can uh, to, to be nearby and I'm gonna try to just be okay. Um, because if I'm not okay, if I'm sad or if I'm scared, I might get punished or I might get rejected or shamed. And so then we grow up into people where it's like, yeah, the, the best way I know how to get connection is by stuffing down my feelings and my needs. And then we see this showing up in the church where it's like, yeah, if you feel sad or you feel worried, that means you don't have enough faith. Uh, it means that there's something wrong with your relationship with God. You know, God wants you to, to feel happy and hopeful and joyful. Um, and so if you're not, then, then, you know, God's, in fact, one of the people I pick on is uh, Francis Chan says something about how God is um, finds our stress and worry as uh, like disgusting, basically like uh, odorous. Um <laughs> because it means that we don't trust God. And and uh and so we get these messages of like you have to, you know, stuff those emotions down because they're going to get in the way of connection with God. And so um and then we end up using we we feel like we that's the way we get close to God, but then we also use our faith to stuff down those emotions. So, you know, things like I'm not worried, like God's in control, which is different than I feel worried and I find comfort in the idea that God's in control, something like that. Right. So we just skip over the emotion. Um, It's called spiritual bypassing. And, um, and that's what that looks like. And it means that you don't actually often feel connected to others or to God. It means, you know, your faith is just like uh, learning the kind of logical theology or maybe it's doing the things right. Like, Doing um, whatever service project, doing a task, because um, we find in that attachment style in the rest of life, those are people that are more likely to be like, "I'm going to go work in the garage all day," uh, rather than "I want to spend time with the people in my life." Um, and then we see that show up at church. So,
0: mm-hmm. I I feel like I excuse a lot. And again, I'm gonna I'm I'll pick on evangelicals. Uh, we have this theology of celebration. So, like, we can't lament anything that goes wrong. Mm-hmm. It has to be rationalized, you know, into, like, mm-hmm. something has to be good. Like, God, you know, and the, you know, there's the verse, you know, God works all things together for good for those who love him. And, and so it's like, well, you know, God's going to bring something good out of this. And you're like, well, that, that's fine. I hope that he does. Uh, but <laughs> that's not right. really comforting, you know, right now especially if it's in the sense of like, God did this to you so that something mm-hmm. good can happen in the future. Right. Something uh-huh. good that may not even be for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I, I think that this attachment style is one strategy that people use to deal with some of the tough, tough uh, questions about the world and about suffering. Right. So, um, if we hold a, you know, super reformed view of uh, God's totally in control of everything. um, Then when a child dies, we can just say like, Oh, well, you know, God must've done that for some reason. You don't need to think about it that much. Um, Versus like, emotionally engaging with something that that's devastating. Um, And I think this also the, this, this sort of attachment style tends towards that kind of logical, systematic, like way of approaching the world and kind of labeling things and putting things in boxes. And so, um, so that kind of lets you think things like, oh, well, if like Dave Ramsey, for example, a, a Christian, uh, you know, has said like, well, if you're poor in America, um, it's because you are lazy. And, uh, the Bible says, you know, if you, you, you get what, you know, you work for and that is helps you sleep better at night. If you're someone that has things, you're not in poverty. You don't have to sit there and wonder like, what's my responsibility, uh, for others that don't have as much as I do. You can just say, Oh, well, this is the way God set it up. This is the system that God created. And, uh, and so, you know, I get what I deserve, you get what you deserve. And uh, and then I don't have to sit up at night with these difficult questions.
0: Yeah, so I think that, that's such a that's such a hard one. Cause I, I feel like it's rooted, it's rooted in the intentions of like I can't doubt God. Like it, it's rooted in that mm-hmm. it really is usually a genuine sense of like, I do not understand this, but God is in control, but it bypasses all of the hard work of processing. Mm-hmm. any of the emotions with it and then into and people outside the faith mm-hmm. it just looks like are you like what are you doing i there, there's there's a, a disconnect of like how does this not bother you
1: mm-hmm. yeah right and and i think um you know that hearing that sort of theology from people that have gone through suffering or um or oppression you know hold less power um I, that's where, I, where I, I like to listen in on or read books by people that are doing that sort of work because, uh, cause that, that statement, God's in control, um, comes, you know, from a different place. If you're the one that has had to go through the suffering, which really like is reflective of Israel, Israel, like most of the Bible was written, by a people group that was, they were either you know captured or oppressed or recently conquered, right? And um, and so figuring out what does it mean that God's in control uh, when things are bad for me, I think is is a much more vulnerable type of theology.
0: So, mm-hmm. how do you begin to heal from that sort of attachment? Um,
1: some of that is uh, is very Body centered in a way, um, because the part of your brain. So, so the goal would be to engage in your emotions more. Um, one thing would be to um, to pay attention to like what what is going on in my body. I know I sound like such a therapist, uh, but that's that's the way that we do it. Um, because when you have this attachment style, you actually get into a habit of just ignoring your body, and there's a part in your brain that actually shrinks. Uh, This part that takes in information from your body about um, emotions gets smaller. Um, And so it's exercising that. And what I tell clients often um, that are working on this, um, you know, one of the things that's hard is if emotions aren't your thing then it can be really scary and vulnerable to try to talk about them. Cause it's like, I don't even know what this means or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so to find someone safe in your life and say something like, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm feeling kind of bad today. And I don't know why that is. I'm not good at emotions. <laughs> you know, d- don't ask me to figure out why I'm feeling this way. I just wanted to tell you that I'm not okay right now. Um, or, you know, I feel kind of anxious right now, and um, I'm just paying attention to that, and I don't know, you know, why it is, or I'm not totally sure if it's anxiety, but it's something, so just kind of those baby steps, um, again, with someone that's safe, that can be like, oh, I'm, I'm really glad to hear this.
0: Yeah, so the last one is shame-filled spirituality, Uh, that's, I think that's, that might be the, I, 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 that might be the biggest one, I think, or at least it's Uh the one, it's the one that I feel like as a pastor, I personally connect to the most, uh, Mm -hmm. and also that I've seen in the majority of people. I've, I've seen all three of them and these aren't, it's not like you have one, you only have that one,
1: right? Yeah.
0: It's Mm -hmm. overlapping and there's connections between the two and you may have it for this facet, but not this facet of your relationship. Um, so explain Shanefield spirituality and sort of the backgrounds to that.
1: Yeah. So that is, um, so what really struck me doing the research is that kids that have gone through trauma or abuse or neglect, um, and I don't mean like car crash, I mean like relational trauma, right? Um, They they have this feeling that there's something at their core that is disgusting and broken and drives other people away. And it really struck me reading about that because I was like, that was the theology I was given: is that there's something about you that is, Mm -hmm. yeah, broken, um, that's disgusting. You know, you have a you have a sinful, dirty heart, and uh, nothing allowed. Uh, nothing dirty is allowed near God. And so that just struck me so much. And I was like, what does this mean? Um, And I, I even, I write it in the book a bit about how some of that theology came about. Um, But yeah, it's this idea of like, God doesn't like me. God doesn't want to be around me. I'm not good enough for God. And, um, you know, we hear this all the time. Like, you you know, God is holy and you have to be holy to be near God, which is fine, except that uh, so many of us don't feel holy enough to be near God, right? And we have theologies around, you know, you're washed by the blood, that sort of thing. But, um, but I think that uh, maybe the best picture of it for me has been, Um, This idea of, uh, you know, being told when God sees you, he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus. Um, And, you know, we know what that sort of means on a on a salvation level. But what that says is if God at least what that said to me as a kid (laughs) was if God really saw you for who you are, God wouldn't want you around. God would be disgusted. God would judge you. And if you actually want acceptance from God, you have to look just like Jesus. And so, you know, I was thinking about 15 year old me um, needing to know that somebody liked me. I had some rough teenage years, like many of us did. And just this idea of like, yeah, if God's going to be close, God is just noticing every single thing I'm doing wrong, which again, as a teenager, I mean, teenagers go both ways. They can be in their own world. (laughs) But, you know, there's so much insecurity there. And so you're so attuned to all the things that are wrong with me. And it's not like this changes that much when we grow up either. Um, And then we have this perception of God where it's like, well, yeah, God sees all these things that are wrong with me and just, you know, wants to change me into someone that's better. And I think the kind of the opposite picture of that kind of God is Mr. Rogers saying, I like you just the way you are. I, you know, really like that picture of God. And it doesn't mean that we don't need to grow um, and mature and, and those sorts of things, but it's really important for a secure relationship that it feels like God likes us and wants to be close to us, which I think is clearly what we see throughout scripture. Um, But in the church, we've, in society in general, gotten this message over and over that God's disappointed in you. God is disgusted with you. Um, you're not good enough, those sorts of things. And, and if that dynamic is there, it's hard to feel secure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking uh, la- last week, I think it was last week on, on uh, Facebook and Tim Keller uh, posted this Facebook status that there was, it was uh, uh, I'll look it up over here. It says, e- you know, even my prayers for repentance need repentance.
1: Uh huh.
0: And he went on after, you know, there's a thousand comments and clarifies. And in his clarification, you see a little more context. You see a little more nuance. And, you know, the 20 people that clicked like on that particular comment, they saw it. They liked it. But to the thousands upon thousands of people who just saw the initial, you know, little pithy mm-hmm. one sentence statement, uh, you come away from that. And you sort of the, the implication is well, there's no truly purely non-sinful thing that anyone can do Mm -hmm. so you're just sort of doomed to to always fall short and even in even with the holy spirit inside of you because Mm -hmm. you're repenting so even once you've started that christian life uh even 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 then there's still just a sense of like you can't do it
1: right Uh uh-huh Yeah, and which wouldn't be a big deal if it's that piece of like, you can't do it and it doesn't matter because God is showing up and doing the work. But we clearly get this message of like, no, God's not actually happy. Um, I mean, uh, John Piper um, says in one of his sermons, he says, you know, even at the point of conversion, you know, after we're saved, you know, our heart is changed. Um, God finds us um, utterly unpleasing uh, when it comes to a personal relationship. He says then the good news is that uh, God starts to change us and make us into someone likable. Um, And that just doesn't, on an attachment level, that doesn't work. Um, If I uh, you know, come to your house and I'm like, I want to be friends with you, but, uh, I really don't like who you are right now, but I'm going to change you into someone that I want to be friends with. (laughs) Like that just makes the shame worse. Right. That, that doesn't actually help. And, um, and, and I really believe that it is God's love that changes anyway. Um, you know, and, and I talk in the book about the prodigal son, story being such a clear picture of you know god doesn't say all right god uh prodigal father father of the prodigal son doesn't say like go change your shirt like then i'll give you a hug right uh the the father just runs to the son and i think that's a really clear picture of how god approaches us
0: why do you think this view of attachment is so prevalent
1: um the, I, I think some of it is our theological tradition um, and the personal histories of some of our uh, theological heroes. <laughs> so um, I didn't start there. I didn't start with that idea, but um, but I've uh, I, I think that there's something that resonates deeply when, and actually, I'm not the first person to say this. Um, Doug Frank wrote a book called Gentler God. And um, so I want to, I want to credit him. But as humans, we have shame. That's like part of being human. And part of this feeling of there's something really wrong with me that makes me undeserving of love. Um, You know, and, and maybe if I could beat myself up enough, I could become a better person. Right. And I think then you have some revivalist preachers that come along and say, yeah, you deserve, you deserve the worst of the worst, right? And I, and that, but there's good news. You're not going to get the worst of the worst. Uh, God's going to save you. Um, That is good news, but it reinforces that piece of like that shame that's already there that says, yeah, you don't deserve love. You don't deserve belonging. Um, cause that's, that's already there, but I don't think that comes from God. Um, God obviously is continually inviting us into belonging and community. So, um, but I think that's where it comes from. I think, um, mm-hmm. on a psychological, psychological level, you're like, oh yeah, that resonates. That must be gospel truth.
0: Yeah. So we, we've talked about the bad, uh, let's talk about the good for a few minutes how do we move into a secure attachment with God? What does that look like?
1: Yeah. Um, I, for, for me, it's really been paying attention to things in my life that feel healing. Um, and so it might be, you know, it could be a Bible verse. It could be a, A metaphor, it could be a poem, it could be a person. Um, But whatever it is that sort of opens my eyes to God's delight and God's love, um, that's what I've been trying to pay attention to. Um, And I think, you know, if you're at this point where it's like, yeah, I was given all these images and metaphors, um, but it doesn't help me feel loved by God. Um, I just end up feeling judged. here's your permission to say, maybe you need some better images and metaphors. Um, and sometimes, uh, people will feel threatened by that, um, you know, different pictures, but like it, you know, really we, in, in different traditions, we cherry pick the metaphors and images that we use. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, Yeah, there's just people doing great work out there going back to scripture and saying, what are the metaphors that haven't gotten as much airtime? You know, I think um, God as a judge um, in a courtroom isn't even a metaphor from the Bible, but it's in that gospel presentation all the time. Right. Um, And so it makes sense that we then take on this association of, you know, God in a robe sitting up on this high stand, um, you know, banging uh, banging his gavel. I'm using the male pronouns. Cause I think that's pretty clearly like that sort of association um, in that, that metaphor. Um, so, you know, going and being like, Oh, but like the prophets talk about God being a mother, you know, that is, um, that's holding her baby to her cheek. Um, you know, obviously Jesus talking about wanting to gather, um, Gather Jerusalem under his wings, you know? Um, So, whatever it is for you, it might be biblical, but it might be your dog. Um, We just got a puppy, so that's why it's been on my mind. But, you know, I have had that conversation with clients before like, what if you could believe that God liked you just like a tenth of what your dog thinks of you? Right. And uh, I think that's a, a really beautiful way to do it that can really um connect on this concrete level in a way that the just the words god loves you doesn't
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so the book has been out for about a month Mm uh what what has the reaction been so far what sort of responses have you heard
1: yeah i think um one of the thing one of my favorite one of the best pieces of feedback i've gotten was not even related to the spirituality piece um but someone said, "I feel like I understand myself and others better, um, but not in like a judgmental, uh, like category way, mm-hmm. um, which makes me really happy." Because when I think about these attachment styles, I really uh, come at it and I from this place of wanting to understand why do people do what they do, you know, and have greater empathy for them. There, like you said, there's a reason that people, um, you know, are going to these theologies and it's usually for good reason. And and most of us, no matter our tradition and how it shows up, we're trying to be good Christians and we're trying to, you know, be followers of God. And so, um, so I really appreciated that. And then the other thing that I've heard a lot is, um, people just saying, you know, this is the, um, you've helped me put into words the feelings that I didn't know how to put into words. And that has been so rewarding to hear because um, that was for me, it was like, I'm feeling these things, um, but am I allowed to say this out loud in church? Um, and so that's been really rewarding to hear that other people resonate and it gives them permission. And I find that when you can say these things about like, I, you know, I feel this insecurity with God, that is an invitation if you want it to be for God to enter into that and um, to have some honest conversations with God.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, last question for you. And this is really just more of an opportunity to promote other things that you have going on, Uh uh, because there are other projects that the Mayfield family uh, has upcoming and and also do currently. Uh, So feel free to talk about anything and everything that you, you guys are doing.
1: Yeah. So, um, we have a podcast, um, on evangelical media from the eighties and nineties. So that theme of, um, you know, looking at my own tradition, uh, we talk about adventures in Odyssey. If that means anything to you, then, uh, your podcast or our podcast is for you, um, And we are uh, getting ready soon to launch a podcast season on Christian romance. Mm -hmm. So um, we're doing that stuff. And uh, my wife is um, DL Mayfield and she's writing a book, uh, finished with a book on Dorothy Day. Um, And we're also both, this is kind of newer, but we're both involved in the Faith and Justice Network, um, which has been a really cool... um, network to be a part of basically it's a chance to engage and get some sort of theological training while being part of a really spiritually diverse community sounds like I'm pitching it but um I've been involved in it this year and it's just been amazing to um have really great conversations with people that are doing important work
0: so yeah well that's everything and uh have you have you done left behind on the on the podcast so is that, is that someone,
1: someone in our family has to do some more trauma processing <laughs> about like end time prophecies before we do that and I, it's not me
0: i revisited the series for the first time uh like early last year and shared it in a relatively progressive uh pastors facebook group that i'm a part of and it was like i hadn't read this since i was a teenager i was like oh my gosh i've come so far well i know that your time is uh coming to an end so again the book is attached to god it is available from zondervan you can get it wherever you buy your books uh go out and, and get it uh it is a it could be a potentially life-changing way of the way you look at your relationship with god if you feel like you have been struggling in your relationship with god or you don't are struggling in your relationship with the church uh this book is going to help you find some clarity and hopefully help you find a, a pathway forward thanks so much josh appreciate it